Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and Happy New Year, 2024. Uh, listen, here's the thing, all right? Objectively speaking, all right, last year was better than 2022, all right? Look, wasn't perfect, all right? There's a lot of hiccups, a lot of inconvenient things that I think a lot of people dealt with in 2023, but I think we can all agree that it was better than 2022 and 21 and 20 right uh you know so i think i think we're i think we're getting back on the right track and just uh hopefully uh history is not repeating itself like it did 100 years ago right where you had you had the the spanish flu pandemic <laughs> around 1919 1920 and then everybody got over that, and then it was the Roaring Twenties, and everything was great. And then the Depression came, and I'm I'm hoping that we don't do that again. So uh, maybe, and honestly, look, I'm recording ahead. Maybe it already happened. I don't know. I hope not. Hope hope that uh, future me and future you are listening to this, and things are super good for the most part, right? Like who knows what Russia's up to these days? But everything's great. For the most part, again, cannot stress for the most part, <laughs> right? Nothing's ever going to be perfect and that's okay. All right. Uh, but we're starting a new year. We are closing in on episode number 200 and then we're going to be into season five of this podcast in March and looking forward to that as well. Good grief. I cannot believe that. Anyway, uh, we are talking about three people today who faked their own death, right? We are looking at the stories of Raymond Stansel, James Washington, and then our first story today after the music of David Friedland. And did they succeed? Did they actually get away with it? Or did it blow up in their face? We will find out right now. David Friedland was born on December 20th, 1937 in Jersey City, New Jersey. I've been there. I have been to Jersey City. Uh, it's basically like teasing you that you're not quite good enough to live in New York. And maybe people choose to live there. I don't know. But it's essentially just all of Jersey City is just you look across the river at New York. That's it. Um, Friedland's father was an attorney and David wanted to follow in his footsteps. Uh, and so like many lawyers, David became really involved in politics, especially after the 1964 Supreme Court case Reynolds versus Sims, in which the government ruled that state legislative districts must be equal in size. How's that working out? Because it's clearly still not. <laughs> and maybe not, maybe not geographic size, maybe population size. Maybe that's what it means. Uh, even then, I think, yeah, that's probably how it is still. And now because of like gerrymandering and all that, it's like being manipulated to try to give parties favors. Like why? Just like it's if it's a government, I don't know why we're doing we're focusing on this right now, but if it's a government by the people for the people, like the district should just let everything play out. But no, there's all this government corruption. Like anyway, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. Not to start the year. We're going to be optimistic 
to start the eh, whatever. Um, David filed a lawsuit on behalf of the Laundry and Paper Box Workers Union, uh, challenging this new system. Which I don't, I don't understand how the Paper Box Workers Union was affected by legislative districts, but I guess they were. And David won this lawsuit, and the New Jersey State Senate enacted a rule in which each senator's vote would be weighted based on the population that was being represented. So basically, uh, at least right now in New Jersey at this time, senators from various districts by population wise represented some represented more people than others. Right. So probably the districts closer to New York were probably representing more of the population of New Jersey than maybe someone in the middle of the state, or maybe even someone down on the side of Philadelphia, vice versa, and all that kind of stuff. So David Friedland made this happen. And when the Supreme court later declared that this weighted system was unconstitutional, David took advantage of the temporary system that was in place until the new system was adopted and actually got elected to the New Jersey General Assembly. So now once he's actually in the government, he worked to get charges dropped against a high-ranking member of the mafia, which raised a few red flags, right? Because clearly, if you are trying to get guys <laughs> in the mafia out or get charges dropped or whatever, you're probably working for the mafia. And then when... It was discovered that he did some, I guess, some back-end dealings to get that happened. He was given uh, a six-month suspension from uh, his government work. So after leaving the General Assembly in 1974, David took three years off before winning a state Senate seat in 1977. Two years later, he was indicted for accepting a $360,000 bribe as part of a larger scam by Barry Marlin, who was an attorney who had been convicted of scamming $43 million out of a pension fund. And this is in the 70s, so that is a lot of money. Uh, David, however, maintained his innocence. And you can clearly see why this story is in an episode already about people who had to fake their own deaths, because he's clearly deep in some government corruption. On April 11th, 1980, David was then convicted for accepting bribes, tax evasion, and obstruction of justice. He ultimately somehow avoided a prison sentence for all that and instead opted to work with New Jersey authorities by recording secret conversations with former associates in the scheme that he was convicted for as a way to bring them down. However, uh, before he got started on this, he did basically one of the most New Jersey things ever, right? He, on September 2nd, 1985, he was reported missing while on a scuba diving trip in the Bahamas. Now, a friend, after they reported him missing, a friend said that David had taken painkillers prior to the dive and then just never came up. And that prompted this giant search and rescue team, but air and sea teams never found his body. And you basically because people from New Jersey tend to be relatively dishonest people, not all of them, not all of them, but most of them, right? Um, authorities did not believe for one second that David was dead or had like, you know, truly had this scuba diving accident and they issued a warrant for his arrest. Um, at the time of this uh, event, David was still awaiting sentencing as part of another investigation that he was providing evidence to investigators for to bring down other corrupt government officials, members of the mafia, all of that. Uh, authorities 
then traced David, who was using a fake passport, through Kenya, France, Austria, Hong Kong, and Singapore. So they know, like they clear, they know he's alive. He tried to fake his own death, did not work, right? They clearly know he's alive. They're tracking him all over the world because he knows he's gotten in too deep and somebody in the mafia is going to kill him, right? So by 1987, David was actually a top fugitive on the Marshall's most wanted list. Uh, he was actually finally caught in December of 1987 in the Maldives where he was posing as a scuba dive master. Uh, he was extradited back to the United States and was sentenced to 15 years in prison on just a CVS receipt list of white collar crimes. Uh, despite his conviction, David continued actually assisting the government from prison and actually even helped them recover a cache of Stinger missiles from Afghanistan that had been part of a drug deal with terrorists. What is like, it's insane how deep this guy was and like everything that he was aware of, like in the black market and all of that. Um, he actually was released from prison after eight years and for some reason went to work with a marketing company. And then uh, he ultimately died on April 21st, 2022. Uh, nothing really to indicate what happened or how he died or, or anything like that. Um, I guess just died of, I mean, he was born in 1937. I mean, he was really, really old. So he probably just died of, of old age. Our second story here, a little bit of a shorter one. Uh, in 1995, uh, a woman named Joyce Goodner was beaten to death with a cinder block, stabbed several times, and then set on fire. <laughs> it was insane. Uh, unfortunately, police in Tennessee where this took place had no idea who had killed her, and the case ended up going cold until 14 years later in 2009. And that's when James Washington, who was already in prison for second degree murder, started suffering from seizures and thought that he was actually having a heart attack. So they take him to the prison hospital. He's in his bed, you know, hooked up to all these machines. You know, he's really like, he's still really struggling. And at that point he sits up and Kitty's on the bag. He is on the bag rare rare bag sighting kitty has not been as uh into the bag lately but of course he does it while i'm recording it's uncanny anyway just ignore that um he's in this prison hospital bed and he sits up with all of the strength he had and summoned the guard over to his bed and he's like i have something to tell you and he clutches the guard's chest he's very dramatic about this He's like, I got to get something off my conscience and you need to hear this. And he leans in, guard leans in, getting real close. They're like face to face now. You know, his weak hands just clutching his uniform, the guard's uniform, whatever. He's like, I killed somebody. I beat her to death. And then Washington laid back in his bed and he took his final breath. Except he didn't actually die. He was actually totally fine. Uh, he was like, obviously he's faking it. Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, investigators had originally considered James Washington a suspect in Joyce Goodner's murder, but they didn't have enough DNA evidence to definitively link him to it. Uh, fortunately for investigators, Washington ended up making a full recovery from his suspected heart attack in time to testify at his own trial for Joyce Goodner's murder. Uh, although he tried to call Baxi's and claim that the medication that he was on caused him to hallucinate all of this, he was found guilty.
guilty of Goodner's murder and was given another life sentence where he went, you know, is going to spend the rest of his life. Our final story here is of Raymond Stansel, who was an absolute legend in the state of Florida and surprisingly not for anything remotely horrifying, right? Like not, not for anything crazy, not for being a creep or a murderer or anything like that. He was actually very popular in the fishing community for his ability to maneuver his fishing boats in the angriest of waters and rescue other boaters who had been overcome by very strong waves. Uh, in one instance, Stancil actually brought up a 90 foot barge that had sunk in 100 foot deep water all by himself with nothing but scuba, de- scuba gear and inflatable tubes, which is nuts. A 90 foot boat a hundred feet underwater and he's just down there in his scuba suit with some inflatable tubes and he brings it back up. That's insane. Um, on another occasion, he caught over 2000 pounds of grouper in a single weekend, which like sounds impressive, but like 2000 pounds of grouper is like probably like five grouper. Cause those are gigantic fish either way. Still super impressive. Um, what made this all the more remarkable was that Stancil was actually blind in his left eye after a friend had smacked him in the face with a broomstick in middle school. Um, somehow he was also a former air force pilot, which what is the air force doing hiring, you know, or like having people fly their jets with only one good eye. I don't even know if that, I did not think that was possible. I thought you had to have both working eyes with perfect vision in order to be a pilot in the air force. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was wrong. Um, after leaving the air force, he operated his own private fishing vessel on Florida's Gulf coast. And by the 1960s, for some reason though, Stancil started running into difficulties, consistently bringing in enough fish to make a living. And so he started looking for ways to supplement his income. Well, one day a group of drug smugglers approached Stancil who needed a bigger boat for their drug run. Stancil who is pretty desperate at this point, he agrees. And after a decade, because the first run mission went so well, he just started working with these drug smugglers. He had a very successful marijuana smuggling business where he would run drugs from Jamaica and Columbia back up to Florida. However, Stancil was not great at keeping this sort of thing a secret. Um, with more money than he really knew what to do with, he opened an offshore bank account. He bought gold from Costa Rica and he formed seafood and boat building companies in Panama and Honduras. And his fellow fishermen would watch him go out to sea without any ice, which was weird because the ice is a requirement when you're going out fishing, which is what he told them that he was doing. And he would then somehow return with his boats so weighed down with cargo that it was to the point of nearly sinking and yet the nets bone dry. So like it was super obvious he was not going out fishing. He was doing something else. He's super wealthy. He owns all of these businesses. He's got all these gold bars and all this kind of stuff and like not hiding it at all. So on June 6th, 1974, after having unknowingly been under surveillance since returning from Central America a few days prior, Stancil was arrested on suspicion of drug smuggling. Uh, Police found over $27,000 in cash on him, some blank tourist visas, 
actual pictures of marijuana and more like super incriminating evidence. Um, however, before his trial could begin, his attorney that he had hired announced that Stancil had died in a freak scuba diving accident off the coast of Honduras on New Year's Eve while he was out on bail. Now, if you learned anything from the first story, it's that people who die in freak scuba diving accidents don't actually die. That is not like they don't. They just that's an easy way to fake your own death. You just fall off the boat and then you just kind of swim away somewhere and then you and then people on the boat are like, "Oh my god, where did he go?" And it's like, oh, "I must have died." Oh well. So several and no one from Florida also believed that this story was true. They heard, oh, Raymond Stansel died in a scuba diving accident. Sure, he did. No one believes that that's what happened. Uh, several tips quickly came in, sending Florida authorities on just a wild goose chase to try to bring him back. Uh, in December of 1976, Honduran officials notified Florida authorities that they had detained Stansel in Tegucigalpa. Uh, it's a city in Honduras. Probably didn't even pronounce that right. But before authorities could even board a flight to Honduras, they were informed that Stancil had already escaped because it's Honduras. They're not, it's not like a maximum security prison system over there. So with the stolen identity of 33 year old Dennis Lafferty, who was a guy who had died in Florida the previous year, Stancil led his girlfriend, Janet Wood, all over Central America before Janet got pregnant. Now I should also note that at this time, Stancil had a wife and four kids, which he basically has abandoned at this point. Um, from there, after Janet has her kid, they fly, or no, actually, she didn't have her kid yet. She finds out that she's pregnant. They then fly to Venezuela, Peru, over to Tahiti, and then onto the island of Vanuatu, or uh, Vanuatu, where they got married, but then Janet suffers a miscarriage. Can't imagine why. Super high stress environment. They're flying in probably very tiny planes over the ocean. Of course, she's going to have a miscarriage. Uh, eventually, though, the couple made it to Australia in 1975 when they settled in the small Queensland fishing village of Port Douglas. They get there. They tell the locals that were there that they were Dennis and Janet Lafferty, uh, originally from Texas and Michigan, respectively, and that both of their parents were dead. Right. I don't know why that's important, but that's what they said. Uh, Stancil had actually abandoned all of his drug money. Like he abandons everything. He has nothing to his name because he's going to start over and he's going to go back to work being a commercial fisherman. So by 1980, you know, it's five years later, Stancil feels pretty confident that he's never going to be found like this tiny fishing village, pretty remote in Queensland, they're like, no one really cared. It's Australia. They don't care. And he's just working as a fisherman. Uh, he and Janet have actually had two daughters. Like he's literally started a whole new life for himself. And he's actually got a really good reputation in Port Douglas. The locals loved him. Uh, the only thing they found weird was like, he would get real, real fidgety and nervous whenever someone tried to take a picture of him. He did not like that. And for obvious reasons. Um, in 1982, Stancil purchased property along the Daintree River and opened up a tourist boat venture operation. 
Uh, and in 10 years, the Daintree River Cruise Center was one of the biggest businesses in the region, right? Like he's doing these tourist cruises up and down the Daintree River, looking at all kinds of murder, murder animals like crocodiles and probably giant snakes and giant spiders and giant other things that don't hesitate to kill people. Uh, because again, Australia. Uh, the couple lived very happily on this river for the next 35 years until 2011 when word got out that a fugitive drug smuggler from the United States was living in the Daintree region. Now, obviously Stancil, they know they're talking about him. And so he nervously starts waiting for more news and more updates on the case only to find that the fugitive that everyone is talking about was a guy named Peyton Edison, who was a smuggler from California during the 1980s, who had done the exact same thing that Stancil did and somehow fled all the way to Australia and was living a life there. However, three years later in 2014, Florida investigators received a tip that Stancil was living as an environmentalist in Australia. However, by that point, Stancil was riddled with Parkinson's disease and his senile ramblings about his past life as a drug smuggler worried his employees about who Dennis Lafferty really was. So like he's got Parkinson's dementia and he's just like, he doesn't even care about trying to be private about his past life anymore. He's just telling his employees all about his crazy life prior to coming to Australia. And finally on May 16th, 2005, Stancil's stiff, shaky, trembly Parkinson's body crashed into a tree, which killed him instantly. Uh, a few weeks later, his story finally got out. Everyone in Australia knew who he really was, and they could not believe that he had hidden his secret from them for so long. But ultimately, he got away with it, faked his own death, made it to Australia, and just lived a completely different, new and successful life up until his death. All right. Faking your own death in the books. Um, yeah, just, I mean, look, here's the thing. I think, you know, based on these three stories, kind of effective, like, you know, and, and how many other people have faked their own deaths and have never been found again, right? Like Carol Baskin's husband, probably, you know, um, the story we had a couple of months ago. Um, I think it was the episode that got ruined, but, um, Elizabeth cons boots bull who paid off her own husband to fake his death. And then like he did, like he just screwed off to Africa and no one ever heard from him again. And that kind of worked. So like, I think it's effective if anything. So let's recap and see what we truly learned today. What did we learn? Number one, if you get super deep in with the mafia and especially the New Jersey government with all their corrupt people, you have, you have to fake your death, right? And you have to do it like super insanely. You have to go as far away as you possibly can and be like a, a, a boat instructor in the Maldives and you're still going to get caught. All right. Uh, it's just the truth. But here's the thing. 
Uh, if you're going to fake your own death, get really good at scuba diving because I think that's really the best way to ultimately do it. Number two, uh, James Washington thought he was dying of a heart attack, so he confessed to another murder, and then he was totally fine and ended up getting convicted of that murder, which is so great. Uh, and then number three, Raymond Stansel, probably the poster child for getting away with faking your own death. Um, totally did it and then ended up in Australia and literally lived a whole second life with a whole new family, which sucks for his original family, by the way. But like, man, good for him for getting out to Australia, built a whole new life for himself. And ultimately, I mean, aside from like, you know, crashing into a tree and killing himself, uh, had a pretty good life after that. Next week on Our Weird World, it is episode 199. So I will reveal to you what episode 200, the big celebration is going to be. It's not going to get drunk. I'm not getting drunk again. Uh, it's going to be something different. And I'm honestly very worried about it, if I'm being honest. Uh, I don't know how it's going to go. I'm going to have fun, but I have no idea how it's going to go. Uh, <laughs> but you'll see uh, next week. Our stories though, uh, going to probably be a shorter episode, but we're going to look at two people who literally got amnesia and then completely forgot everything about their lives, ended up somewhere else. And kind of, this is almost kind of like a part two to today's episode where, you know, today people fake their own death and they were fully aware of it and ended up making a new life for themselves somewhere else. But next week, we're looking at the stories of Benjamin Kyle and uh, Lawrence Joseph Bader, who both got amnesia and completely forgot. So they might as well have faked their own death because they didn't remember anything that happened about their former lives. It's a crazy, crazy thing that amnesia is. And we're gonna look at two stories from people who had to deal with it. So thank you for continuing to listen. Um, Look, here's the thing. If your New Year's resolution this year is to help your friends listen to more podcasts, tell them about this one. We're having fun over here, probably. I don't know. Uh, but that's it. Thanks for listening. Keep telling all your friends and keep it weird. All right, so if I was going to fake my own death, I think... Like it sucks because it's really hard to do these days, but I think if you're going to do it, you have to go off the grid completely, right? You have to, uh, like slowly, you can't do it all at once. You have to slowly just kind of pull all your cash out. You're going to have to abandon some of it, unfortunately, but you're going to have to get all your cash out and get rid of all your credit cards, get rid of your cell phone, all of it. Uh, you're going to have to, uh, I mean, God, I don't even know, honestly, like you're going to have to end up in some remote village full of people who do not care. And there's no real government, uh, you know, activity going on. Uh, there's no way you can get back on the grid. Like you can't assume a new identity. So it's like, God, at this point, it's too much work to try to fake your death. I think you just got to deal with whatever consequences are coming your way that are, that are making you consider this in the first place. Uh, I also just, it's, yeah, like you'd have to, you'd have to have connections. You would have to know a pilot or be able to fly your own plane, right? Like that's probably it, right? You, you work to get your pilot's license and then you just tell everybody, hi, 
I'm going to go on an airplane ride. And you, you know, you tell them where you're going, but then you tell air traffic control. Uh, no, because then when police, Jesus, this is hard. I don't know, man. I, it's just, I don't think it's worth it.